Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. We appreciate you guys too. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. I uh, finished last week just kind of talking about our vision and kind of where we were going and what God had done, has done in our midst and just an incredible, incredible week this week, just spending time with the Lord in spite of everything chaotically, if you will. And, and you've been there, I mean, coming out of the first of the year, things kind of getting back to a normalcy, if there's a such thing as that. And, and God has uh, put a, a series on my heart uh, about four weeks ago on stewardship. And when we first say that, the first thing you think, of course, is stewardship of money. But if, as you begin to read the scriptures, you realize that it's not just your money. It's God wants you to be good stewards over everything. Why? Because it's all his. In fact, he even says that you have been bought with a price. You're no longer your own person. Your body is the temple of God. And today I want to bring a message to you, if I can, starting this off. Part one is the stewardship of the body. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about our physical body. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about the body of believers. We have a responsibility, church, a duty, a privilege, if I will, to be good stewards of the body of Christ. We have a a part in this great story. And I'm going to show you that here today and how that lines up with Scripture. But when we think about stewardship, remember, understand this as a preface, that stewardship is our management and trust and care over anything that God has put in our hands or in our life. The body of Christ is certainly prevalent when we're talking about that. Now, today we're gathered in the Upson Lee Fine Arts Building, and many of us would say, well, this is not really the body of Christ. I, I didn't know this when we first started the Northridge Church, but I do know it today very, very well. That it's probably great for me and for many of you in this room that we started this way without a building to call home because we therefore have come to the realization, guys, that four walls is not the picture of God's church. Jesus did not, hear me, and I say this without apology, Jesus did not die for a physical location. As great as that mountain is, as great as things are going to be up there, he did not die for Hickory Ridge Golf Course. He didn't die for a parachurch organization like Rush. He didn't die for families feeding families. He didn't die for a building. He did not die for some geographic location. He died for the body of believers, you and I. No matter where we gather, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, Watch this. In my name, there I shall be in the midst of them. Guys, church is church, not because you're here, not because we have a building or a choir, but because he's here. That's the church, and that's what he died for. And we have a stewardship to that. We have a responsibility and a duty to that. So I want to go forward, if I can, and, and, and say this to you. Many of us come to the realization, or, or maybe some false realization, that we are not responsible for what happens on the flanks of the body of Christ. If somebody comes in and they go out, it's kind of their business. If they come in and they don't join and they go to another church, hey, that's their deal. But what about those people who are in our body, our fellowship, whether they put their name on some role or not, which by the way, is not mandated in scripture anywhere. Being baptized in a church, that's not mandated in the context of being part of fellowship, part of the body. But what responsibility and duty do you and I have 
For that person, for those people who are falling by the wayside. Guys, let me tell you something. If you go to the inner streets of of Los Angeles or Detroit or Atlanta or anywhere, you'll find something very common with even the worst of the worst notorious gangs. You'll find that when they're dead, fall in the street, they will risk their very life to go back and pull them out. Anybody that's ever served the United States military know also that too well. That there's no one, no one that we're going to leave behind. We're not leaving even a body. Listen, even if that body has breathed its last, we have a duty as a soldier. How many of you have served the United States military in some capacity? Every one of you know we don't leave anybody falling behind. Can I say today that it's high time, it is desperate time that the church take that same motivation and say, Hey, I am no longer going to let somebody fall over in the streets of spirituality disenfranchised from the church only for me to just keep marching on as if nothing happened. We have a stewardship duty to pick them up. Let me read a scripture to you and you'll understand where I'm going today. Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. It says, brethren, speaking of course to brothers and sisters in the fold, if a man or a woman, a boy or girl, you can use that generically, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness or humility. Come, watch this. Considering yourself. See, often when we read the scripture, we think that the theme, if you will, the subject matter of this passage of scripture is the one who has fallen. But hear me, watch the flow of this as we read. It says, Consider yourself, lest thou or you also be tempted. You bear one another's burdens, as so to fulfill the laws of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, Watch this. Not very politically correct what I'm about to say, but it's it's scriptural. Watch what he says. When you are nothing, you deceive yourself. Verse 4 and then verse 5. But let every man prove his own work. And then shall we have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would help me to rightly divide your word of truth. Today, your word that you hold above your own name, let it pierce our heart. Let it cut literally to the marrow, Father, going in and coming out. That we are changed forever because your word has been proclaimed. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone in the house said amen and amen. A couple of things I want to give you today. I want to bring a message entitled partnering for greatness four things that you and i must do to reach our full potential in christ and may i say it this way for everyone to reach their full potential in christ look at verse one it says brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault you which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest you also be tempted number one thing that we have to do in order to live our full god-given potential as a body of christ is we always 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 have to restore the brethren we have to it is a mandate from scripture you can find out in scripture in first corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26 the bible says that if any one part of the body suffers then watch this then the entire body suffers Remember in the, uh, chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, one of the first laws the law of mention says anytime something is mentioned the first time, it will follow that same pattern throughout all of the word of God. Why? Because God is a changeless God. And watch what he told. He called Cain and he said, where is your brother? And he retorted back, am I my brother's keeper? The answer there, if you will, was yes, you are your brother's keeper. Because hear me, if a brother of mine falls under my watch, then I have to take a duty and a responsibility to do this, to go to him consistently. Considering myself, we have to restore one another. 
We have to be up and about the Father's business to restore. The word overtaken means to be caught off guard, to be deceived, to be pounced on. Let me say this really loud and clear. There is not a soul among us, there's not anybody among the church today that has walked out of their home on a Friday night and said, I think today I will try to destroy my life, my family, my testimony, and any potential I have to be used for the glory of God. No one starts into sin that way. But James says that we are tempted we're drawn away by our own lust. Why? Because we're not walking in the spirit of God. You see, we're not going to bear, hear me, spiritual fruit if you're walking in the flesh of your own life, in your own desires. Each man is drawn away of his own lust, which brings forth sin, and sin's result always, always, always is death. Overtaken is a picture of a lion out on the Serengeti. It's a lion that's sitting back in wait, if you will, and that lonely, weak, A gazelle or deer or some other animal comes out maybe to take a drink of water. And he sits back in perfect camouflage, in a stealth mode, if you will. He doesn't just randomly walk up into the place and and start tearing them apart. No, he's taken, watch this, by surprise. Do you know why men and women are falling in in the church today? It's because we're not guarded. We're not watching. We don't know the enemy's devices. The Bible says we must know his devices lest we be taken by surprise. John 10 and verse 10 says, the thief cometh, but for three things, but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I looked the word up, steal, and it implies this, that the enemy is taking something that you already have without your knowledge. Say, Mark, I've lost my joy. Mark, I've lost my great marriage. Mark, I've lost my children. Mark, I've lost my effectiveness. Satan has stolen it right out from under me. Well, hey, if that's the case, then that means that you had it at one point in time, but you weren't guarded in the person of Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says in Job that there's a hedge of thorns around, a hedge around every one of us. And we have to realize that for you and I, when we look at someone who's been overtaken, look what it says. You who are spiritual. Now, let me just clear the air. Get the elephant out of the room. That is not a verse written to you guys who think that you are super spiritual. Some of y'all are reading that going, oh, honey, here's my part. I'm spiritual. This is for me right here. None of this other stuff matters to me. But right here, that's me. God wrote me a personal letter because I am spiritual. No, no, no. You know what it means? It means that in your present condition today, you are not in a fallen state. Let me say that again. You who are spiritual... It means that you're walking in the spirit and the knowledge and the grace. Don't miss this. And the grace and the protection of God. Hear me. If you are not in a fallen state today, it is not because you are incapable of falling. It's because by the grace of God and only that, that he has you in his hand covering you with his other, that you are not on the outside and the flanks of the church. But watch what he says. He says, overcome. And then he says, spiritual. And I love this. The the reality is this. And and Doug said this the other night in our prayer meeting. And and I'm going to clean up a little bit. I mean, he didn't say anything wrong, but I I just, it was a little aggressive. It kind of made me feel a little weak, bros. But we're all one decision away from falling. One decision. He said, you who are spiritual, that's those that are standing in Christ. 
Restore one another. It means to put back in its proper place. It's a picture in the Greek of one of our extremities, one of our joints, if you will. Uh, I remember when I was in the military, I, I, I fell off of a rappelling tower one time and, and I landed on the ground beneath me about 40 feet down and I still have problems from that today. But when I landed, it, it literally just pulled my shoulder completely out of socket. And, and, and I was walking, your hand's not supposed to be in front of you. I don't know if you know that or not. It should be over here. And it was over here in front of me. I was, I was kind of walking like this. It looked a little crazy. But, but there was just this, I, I couldn't move. I couldn't function. I could not, watch this. I could not operate in my full capacity. This arm was basically of no use. And you know what it did? It also contaminated. It also prevented my body from being at its full capacity. Just because of one thing out of place. And I had a buddy of mine who at the time, I didn't want to say thank you. He wasn't my buddy. He came over and, and he grabbed my arm. I don't know if any of y'all ever been through this or not. He, he played the oldest trick in the book and it absolutely worked. And, and I'm like 18 years old and he grabbed my arm. He said, okay, Mark, this is, this is really going to hurt. And he grabbed it and he kind of shook it like this. He said, on the count of three, I'm going to snatch it and it's going to be back in place. And, and, and it's going to hurt for a minute, but it's going to feel better than it feels right now. I'm like, all right, brother, let it rip. A count, you know, count to three. Don't, don't be. And he goes, one, two, bam. And he snatched it. And it popped back into shape. And for that millisecond of a moment, I could feel it going back into its proper place. That is what restoration is. Hear me. If you look at the woman in, in the gospel according to Mark, who had an issue of blood for 12 years, she had, she had exhausted herself looking for doctors, look, looking for all these measures to end this free bleeding of her. She was Tom A. She was deemed uh, dirty. She was deemed a contaminant to society. Every time she walked into a crowd of people, she had to acknowledge much like the leper did that she was coming as not to touch anyone else and contaminate them. And watch what happened. When she had an encounter with Jesus and she touched the hem of his garments, she touched the person and the power and the grace and the healing of God. And when she did, the Bible says something profound. It didn't say that he looked at her and he said, your faith has healed you. He said, your faith has made you what? Say it with me. Whole. See, she was restored back to her original condition. You know what that means? It means this, that there was even no evidence that she had ever been sick at all. Do you know what else she got back? I believe she got her wealth back. You know what else she got back? I believe she got her friends and family back. See, restoration means this. It's kind of like repentance. Repentance means that I'm going in one direction, contrary to the way God is calling me to walk. And when I repent, I turn completely away from the world or the thing that is enticing me. And I turn back to the person of Jesus Christ. Restoration is epitomized in that very act. When I'm restored by God, it is not, it is not anything that I could have done in and of myself. It is only by the grace of God and maybe my willingness in 1 John 1, 9, watch this, if I confess my sin he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me watch this of all of my unrighteousness we need to be restoring the brethren secondly he says consider yourself as you are restoring one another consider yourself see when i read this passage of scripture there's a lot of plural words in here but when I get to the point of consider yourself, watch this. This blew me away when I saw this. The reason that I believe today that the church is not functioning at its full God-given potential is because you listen to a sermon corporately. 
You worship corporately. We pray corporately, meaning we do it in unison. We do it in in togetherness in this room. And I think that's a beautiful thing. But hear me. It is not until you hear the mandates of this book, the word of God that he holds above his own name, and you listen to this and quit sitting there and going, man, that's a good sermon for Sister Love over there because she's in a bad place right now. Can I tell you something? God may be giving you a sermon today that is not hitting you where you are today, but he may be preparing you for something that's going to happen to you next week. See, you got to personalize the message of Christ in order to live in the person of who God has called you to be. Many, many years ago, I was over in LaGrange, and everything was fine. Things were clicking on all cylinders. I was in the military. I was getting promotion after promotion. I had won one of the highest awards in, in, the, in, in the service at that year, uh, aside from being outside of wartime. And, and man, man, I'm just, everything's clicking. And I went into Zaxby's when they had just built the Zaxby's over there in Commerce in LaGrange. And I saw this little cassette tape. I didn't even have a cassette player, but I thought, well, maybe somebody does. And I looked over on the table. And the name of the cassette tape was, you, no, when you are going through H-E-L-L. I thought it was kind of a unique title to a sermon. Probably won't ever use that. But nonetheless, when you are going through, if you will, hell on earth. And I picked it up. And I thought, Man, God, God laid this here for me. Man, I got to be on the lookout for somebody who needs this. Man, I got, this is awesome. This is God's provision. I had just understood God's provision. God taking forethought for someone's life. And I thought, man, this is cool. I was walking with the Lord. I'm just to be an instrument, man. This is to be on. I'm going to find somebody who's hurting. So I put on the radars, man. I'm, I walked up to get me a drink. I'm like going, are you hurting? God says, are you weird? <laughs> You know, and I'm thinking, I was by myself that night, and little did I know that my life was just going to turn upside down. You see, God gave that to me for two weeks later. You see, guys, if we don't consider ourselves as we restore, we miss the greatest blessing, the greatest measure of God's grace, the greatest. Don't you ever, ever dare reach down and pick somebody up with some mindset of pious, uh, high-minded, high-spiritualness like you have achieved some level of spirituality such that you are incapable of falling. Bless your hearts. You better back up and hold on and realize the only reason you're not in the same place they are is by God's merciful grace and love in your life at that moment. Second thing, real quickly. Not only do we need to restore, we need to bear one another's burdens. Underline the word burdens, plural. And I'm going to show you something. Uh, Brooke, come up here just a second. Just jump the chairs. Be Pentecostal. Jump. Boom, boom, boom. Right here. Now, come come on up real quick. You know, I I was thinking about this. The burdens, if you will, in our life. Hey, uh, Dakota, bring that out here real quick. Bring those hand trucks out here. You know, when we get to burdens in our life, the, the literal translation, watch this, is weights or overload producing trouble. Something that is heavier than I can carry alone. Now, I'm going to show you, and I may not get here today, but I'm going to show you. Thank you, Dakota. I want to show you why I think this is important for us to understand from an illustrative standpoint. What I want you to do is I want, are you okay? (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) That's that teenager girl laugh. (laughs) Everything's funny. All right. What I want you to do is I want you to stand. Watch this. Stand like this, and I want you to pick it up and hold it straight up. I'm a beast. (laughs) All right. 
All right, go ahead. Hold that up and just hold it there till I tell you to put it down. Okay. So burdens are something that are heavier than you ought to be carrying in the spiritual realm. Understand we're talking spiritual realm for a moment. There, there's things that, watch this. Satan is not always, hear me, the reason that you are carrying junk in your life. Sometimes you have to take ownership for where you are. My God, let's just help me here. Let's don't give the, church, the, the the enemy, the adversary, the roaring lion. Let's quit giving him so much stinking credit in our life. Do you know something? He can't touch you unless y'all aren't listening to me one bit. Are y'all watching this young girl hold up a hand truck? No, I want you to hold your arm straight, please. Um, a little hard. Okay. Uh, 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 Olivia, you took y'all come up here for just a second, real quick, real quick. Run, 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 run. Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, Lindsay. Y'all come on. You see, the scripture says, "Bear one another's burdens, as so to fulfill the law of Christ." Here's what I want y'all to do. However, you want to get on either side of her, get up under. I don't care how you do it. Y'all figure it out. Pick it up. I know you got to go on Facebook and post it. Somebody got to respond. Y'all got to figure out how to do it. But pick it up. Help her hold it the way I'm asking her to hold it. Help her. I don't care what y'all do. Just talk amongst yourselves. Galatians 5 and 14 says this. For the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, that thou shall love their neighbor as thyself. Did you hear that? There's one word that epitomizes the law of liberty. And that is love. For God so loved that he gave. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord of God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And oh, by the way, the second one hinges on the first one. Love your neighbors yourself. Is it, is it a little easier to do when you have a little bit of help? It's a lot easier. She's like going, I'm not even holding. I'm freaking them all out. I'm just like. <laughs> now, is it, is it heavy for y'all? Kind of, sort of. But, but, but you see what happens when we get together and we can pick things up for people? Because listen to what he says. It says, bear one another's burdens as so to fulfill the law of God. Thank you, all. Y'all can put it down. Olivia, if you would stay, stay put. I, I, I want to show you something. Just, just go stand over there by the guitar and learn a few chords. Hold on one second. I'll be right back with you. <laughs> Thirdly, be not deceived. See, we're going to restore because we're going to bear one another's burdens, but don't be deceived. Verse 3 says, For if a man thinking in his heart to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You see, today, you're saved from the penalty of sin, but you absolutely, unequivocally are not saved from the effects of it. If we get to a place in our life where we think we have arrived, and sin can't touch us. Oh, my, my, my. Be careful. You're about to walk into an exposed world. This God is going to show you just how, how high-minded and spiritual you are. The Bible says it this way. Don't be deceived. For God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. For many years, Casey, I took that as a, as a warning. You know, that we're going to reap what we sow. But can I tell you something, church? That's also a promise. 
Because if I sow seeds, watch this. Here's where the church lives today. If I sow seeds today, watch what happens. If I sow seeds today that are seeds of negativity, seeds of hopelessness, seeds of lack of faith, then watch this. When I get over here to harvest time, don't miss this church. When I get over here to start reaping, don't you dare think that if you sowed all this negativity that you're going to reap all this gracious harvest to share with everyone around. No, no, no. The reason some of you today, some of us today are living in a harvest time of difficulty in our marriage, in our life, is because you never sowed the seeds that God has called you to sow. But watch this. Here's why we struggle. Because we're over here in a harvest time reaping the things we did back there. But watch this. Today is not only harvest time, but it's also a new seed time. Start today in spite of what you feel. Start being the husband, the wife, the child of God. If you don't know the word of God as people stand up here and quote it and you're going, man, I wish I could know it that way. Well, it's because over here you didn't study the word and hide it in your heart. But oh, you're over here in harvest time and you can't quote scripture. You can't testify. You can't witness. Why don't you start sowing some seeds and get in the book? Because when you get over here and harvest, oh my God, my God promises me, don't be deceived. For whatever I sow here, I'm going to reap it over here. Watch what, watch what happens. First John 1, 8 and 10 says this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And God is not in us. When you fall, he says, what do you, let's do it this way. You saw these girls come up. Just play a little song. I'll be waiting a minute. What, 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 what do you want? If you walk through those doors in a fallen state, and many of you are, what do you want when you fall? What do you want when you are on the outside looking in and there is no hope? What do you want? I'll tell you what I want. I want my brothers and sisters to bombard the throne room of God. I want them to move the foundations of heaven and an earth. I want them to go to God in the same manner as if it was something going on in their life. That's what I want. I want people to come alongside of me when I'm holding something that's too heavy. And watch what happens. We see, we see people struggling. We see people falling. You know what we do? Here's what we do. We go, I knew he wouldn't be able to hold that very long. Man, when, when somebody, metaphorically, when somebody picks up something, and, 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 and if you will, they, put, they, got that, they got that monkey on their back. You know, it, it, this is the way it looks in the spiritual world. I mean, we, we, we laugh at this. This is what it looks like in the spiritual world. We got junk on our back, and, and, and people are lying to us. Nobody's told us, man, that we can just lay our burdens at the feet of the cross. He said, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. But what about that guy who can't let it down? What if just somebody would just get up and come and take it off of them? Maybe two people, maybe three, maybe four. That's what men's prayer meeting does for you, brothers. That's what women's ministry does for you, sisters. That's what youth ministry does for you, youth. Listen, we're all carrying some kind of junk on our back. And we just smile. But all the while, we're absolutely not effective for the glory of God. Let me close with this. But what if, come here, Olivia, please. Thank you for your patience. He says, bear one another's burdens. This is seemingly a contradictory scripture. Look what it says in the next verse. Verse four. But let every man prove his own work. Yeah, I like that one better, Mark. Let's do that one at Northridge. 
Look, look, look what it says, Mark. Let me show you this. Because this is what happened. I'll get a call. Look, Mark, it says, but let every man bear his own work. Then he shall have rejoicing in himself, himself alone. Watch what it says. Verse five, for every man shall bear his own burden. Look what it says. It says it right there. Mark, you're confused. You just said, bear one another's burdens. The word there in the Greek is something you can't hold. Can I tell you something? But each of us as a child of the most high God has a duty and responsibility to bear what we are capable of carrying. Take this and hold it straight out, just like I asked Brooke to do. Hold it straight out. I'm going to tell you something. There is more weight. There is more density. There is more stock. There is more glory. There is more. Listen, this is nothing. This will burn up and be nothing in the fullness of time. That book right there is way heavier than anything man could ever, ever fabricate. And we're carrying, watch this, we're trying to carry uh, functionality. We're trying to carry hope and we're trying to carry love. And we put on that smile on that face and everybody, yeah, everything's great. Oh, my kids, yeah, man, they're awesome. All the while, man, we're just getting weighted down and we just want to die on the inside when all we got to do is pick this up because it's something you can bear. It may get heavy. It may not always be fun, but I'm going to tell you something. If I would have brought the smallest of girl up here, you can hold this out for a long time. But you gotta grab onto it as the band comes. Thank you. You gotta grab onto it. Church, there's a level of burden that you gotta bear. And it ain't man made. It ain't what sister love says you gotta bear. It ain't what advice this person gives you. It's right here in this book. This is the only place that you and I need to run to in a time of desperation, in a time of uncertainty. As they're coming, you can use a time of uncertainty, a time of outcast, a time of frustration, a time of unknown, and you can learn great nuggets of truth behind it. Why? Because I say this almost every time I preach, it comes out in one way or another. Because when I'm carrying this thing, whatever it may be, and maybe that's kind of cool that God put this out there side stage, because we don't just carry this. We load this thinking thing up, don't we? With stuff that God never intended you to carry. Well, Mark, what do I need to carry? The Bible says, you want to follow follow me? Pick up your cross and then follow me. That cross... And the time that that was spoken would have been understood in something like this in a modern day vernacular. What if somebody came up to you, a spiritual leader, and he came up to you and he says, cast all this upon me for I care for you. Put your burdens at at my feet. Psalm 3 said, I'm the lifter of your head. The psalmist says, I cried unto the Lord and and he heard my cry. And he pulled me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry, sticky, stinky clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And he put a new song in my heart. And he established my goings. Here's why he established your goings. Because as he was picking you up, he took that from you and he set it down. And then all I got is free hands now. And I'm just going to grab on to the glory of God.
That's all I got. As a pastor, that's all I got. No antics, no programs, no stuff, no nothing. All I got is Jesus. If that's not enough for you, you need to be praying about where God would have you to be. Because all I have, all I have, but all I need is this right here. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's all I need. Lastly, yesterday on the mountain, I saw the church. Oh, Mark, y'all have a worship service up there? Oh, we did. It started with homemade biscuits and sausage. You know God's in that. Coffee. You know, Hebrews. I mean, all this stuff was happening. But what was so cool is when I saw people coming in of all walks of life, little children picking up stuff, mamas and daddies picking up stuff. You know what? We transitioned yesterday, church. We went from my to ours. We transitioned from me to we. That's the church. That's all we got. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Where are you today? Because the Bible says, ye which are spiritual, restore one another. Well, see, you who are spiritual are you that are not in a fallen state today. My God, if you're not in a fallen state today, you need to get up and bombard this throne room right here, this altar, this stage, this piece of fabric, whatever. You need to say, God, thank you that I have my family. Thank you that I have my sense. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I have a place to call home with a roof over my head. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But one step further. You with your spiritual. Do you know why some of us will never be able to lend a hand to a fallen brother or sister? It's because you have sin in your own camp. What if today, what if today every one of you under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or watching by way of podcast next week, what if you would just get on your face before a holy God and say, God, I want to be used that way. I want to be the man. I want to be the husband, the father. I want to be the wife, the mother, the daughter. I want to be the brother, sister. I want to be the student. I want to be, for 2015, not a resolution. I want to revolutionize my flesh. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I can prove what is that acceptable will of God in my life. God, clean my camp. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know today, first of all, that you are a child of the Most High God, right here, right now, would you pray with me? No more debating. No more thoughts. Pray this with me from your heart to God. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for me. Today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Will you save me? Be the Lord of my life. Clean me up. Make me a vessel of honor for your glory. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you pray that today without any debating in your heart, raise your hand right now. Say, yes, I pray. God bless you, ma'am, and you, and you, little ones all over the room. I see your hand. God bless you. Mamas and daddies, I see your hand. I'm going to ask some of our men and women. Ben is already standing down front. If you guys would come on down. These are just people that want to pray with you. You don't have to join our church to come pray with one of these folks. Mark, why do I have to get up? Why do I have to go down there? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you can't stand for Jesus in here, you're not going to live for him out there. you got to trust me when I say one step is all I'm asking you to take. You're not joining the church. 
But if you gave your life to Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you right now to get up out of your seat right now. Come to one of these folks and just pray with them. Let them pray with you. Come on, right now. Just do it right now. Little one, adult, it doesn't matter who you are. God bless you, ma'am. Come on, give them praise. Give them a hand of encouragement today. The greatest decision they'll ever make in their life. If you pray and you ask Him, why don't you run to Jesus right now? Don't walk. Don't meander down the aisle. Come now people want to pray with you but for the rest of you i want you to close your eyes for just a moment is there sin in your camp today is there sin in your life unconfessed sin if there is my god please today let today be the day that you're restored not by pastor mark not by this band not by a deacon not by somebody you met coming in but by a holy god you got sin in your camp today you're walking in frustration here's what i want you to do On the count of three, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. But when I do that, that forward momentum of you standing up is already in your favor. I want you to take a step. Come down here with your family. Daddies, it's time we stand up and lead our family to the altar of God. Daddies, I'm challenging you. Lead your wife. Lead your children. If you're a single mom, God bless your heart. You're a Proverbs 31 virtuous man. I tell you what, bless your heart. Grab your child, hold your head up and come down here. If you're a student, guess what? You need the protection of God in our school systems today. If you're a teacher, you most certainly need the protection of God. Maybe you're just a deacon or a pastor. Maybe you just walked in today just seeing what's going on. But if you need a touch from God, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand. I want you to come to this altar, find a place and get along with God. One, two, three. Everyone stand. Start moving. And not right now. Daddies, grab your family. Grab your family. Every, everything may seem okay, but I want you to come and I want you to pray right now. I am challenging you to walk differently in 2015. Otherwise, you cannot expect any newness in your life. You can't. You can't expect it. The doors of our church stand wide open. The doors of our church are open. They were open the moment that you walked through those doors. But if you feel God ushering you to be a part of our family today, Mark, why do I have to join your church? You don't. But we would just like to have your information so that we can stay in touch with you, that we can pray for you. I promise you, you're prayed for. So if God's calling you to this place, I'm going to stand down front. And if you... Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com.